You're listening to the Underdog Sports NFL Show with host Chris Horwadell and Mario Hines. Brought to you by Underdog Sports. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. Chris Horwadell joined by Mario Hines. Mario, good sir, how is you? Eyes good. Um, back to earth, back to reality as a Detroit Lions fan. Hmm. And uh, but great week of uh, football, a little more predictable. So I enjoyed it. Well, did you expect anything different? No, I typically do not. Uh, you got your you got your win. You got your tie. You're not gonna lose 16 games. It's uh, feels like we can pack it in now. Yeah, like literally just checking in on the score and checking certain drives to see if. <laughs> The level of play is shifting at all, but as far as like investment in a win, huh. <laughs> that's entirely fair. Uh, lots to talk about. We've got we're at week fifteen in the NFL. <laughs> Utterly shocking. I say it every week, and uh, every week it gets more and more shocking that we've we've progressed this far into the season already. I've got BavadaSportsbook.com open in front of me. We're going to look at all of this week's lines, some props, good stuff like that. Before we get there, however, sir, I want to talk about the biggest news story in the National Football League, and that's COVID. That's the yeah. COVID outbreaks that are just decimating some teams. I know uh, the Cleveland Browns have to play on Saturday against the Raiders, and I think they have 14 players on the COVID list right now. I'm going through this, and uh, it, it's pretty debilitating for some teams. Are you surprised that the league doesn't have more thoughtful protocols in place for what happens when a team, you know, this, when this happens to a team. Am I surprised? Absolutely not. No, we've, we've been indoctrinated to what the league actually thinks about um, what they're going to do about it. And that's, it's almost next man up and, and you're going to play no cancel games and sign someone and then make sure whoever you sign you put them through the correct protocols or it's Mm. on you. Like that's kind of, it's been almost like we're here to make sure the business runs. You make sure you don't have, you don't get COVID spread. And that's kind of what it feels like. But we had the same thing last year and it felt like the league was much more generous and much more flexible about accommodating teams that were suffering outbreaks. And I know that, that there were talks that, you know, how individual teams' outbreaks would be handled would be based upon the overall vaccination percentage of the team, whether or not it crosses certain certain thresholds and stuff like that. But, you know, for instance, I, I mentioned this Browns team because they are the the hardest hit. The Rams are also pretty bad, and there's a couple others. The Rams have the the Browns have a four, have a Saturday game this week. So they have one day less to get people healthy. Why would you not just unprofessional? Why would you? Uh, why why would you not do what we did last year and fl- you know flop this game to Monday, flop this game to Tuesday? And is there any reason that they don't consider it aside from the fact that it just so happens to be a national TV game on Saturday? I really think that the the approach this year is the onus is on you. Mm. Almost similar to the American government. The onus is on, is Shots on you. Shots fired. <laughs> but no, it's like we did the thing. And, and also, they couldn't. They could not fumble last season. They couldn't. Like the whole se- that season had to go on. It had to be yeah. successful. You know, it was just too much teetering. Now that 
you know, things are a little have a little bit more homeostasis, like the way of life is a bit more stabilized. I think the the powers that be in the front offices that are making these decisions in the league are like, we have rules in place. It's up to you and your staff to get your folks to follow them. And if you don't sign somebody that can, we're not going to do a lot of rearranging. The schedule is set and the rules have been there all year, all summer even. So, mm. you know, it, it, it does seem like a lack of grace and it is. It does seem like a lack of, lack of flexibility and it is. And uh, it's just something that by now, you know, especially after uh, unvaxxed, you know, stuff going on in the league they're like we've taken care of that and mitigated and 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 have have punishments set for that what do you want us to do you know make room for something that is bigger than us in a sense but i feel like there's this notion that we're past it and yet we've had more people die of covid in 2021 than we did 2020 we're having teams be hit harder in 2021 than they were in 2020 this is still a very serious thing, and it's just kind of like, oh, this is, like you said, status quo. Yeah, that's what it feels like at this point. Like, the key difference is that there's a completely different social understanding. So the the league is acquiescing to that understanding. So it's, that's why I say it's not shock. I wish there would be something else done about it, especially when you got, you know, continue to have big names uh, and or just the the, the high numbers. Uh, that something will be done about it, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. I do. I just think it's crazy that it is literally worse than it was last year. And we're just like, eh, okay, mm-hmm. no worries. No big deal. We'll just, uh, we'll just, you know, do the thing. And it's getting to be cold now. And this is when we, we expect surges again. Uh, so let's, that'll probably be fine. Right. <laughs> You have to do that. You have to say it into the wind. You have to put it in the ether and hopefully, yes, things will be okay. Like a, Say it like a robot so you believe it. Let me ask you this. All right. So we have, there are some high profile unvaccinated players in the NFL. One of them who comes to mind just so happened to play the Cleveland Browns last week. That's Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson. If Lamar Jackson and this is a hypothetical and I'm not wishing this upon anyone. If Lamar Jackson caught COVID from the Browns last week, developed serious symptoms and died from it, would football pause immediately? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Here's why. Here's why. Here's why. The outcry, it would be the the banner moment for, you know, society. It's the it's the match uh, up against whatever that thing on the side of the matchbox is mm-hmm. that makes the fire, you know, ignite. It's that thing. It would just be the perfect, perfect situation for non-football fans to take a stand it would be everyone rallying around uh focusing on this moment to the point where you have to put on the brakes you'd absolutely have to put on the brakes yeah early in the pandemic there were conversations and about like who is the sports figure that would if they got sick if they if something happened to them it would affect the world at large the most and my thought was pat mahomes but but Lamar Jackson would be on that list. Yeah, yeah. If we're talking football guys, Lamar Jackson's definitely up there. I think there's a certain, you know, demographic. Everybody knows Pat Mahomes, you know, quote unquote everybody. But mm-hmm. I think Lamar Jackson may have a, a deeper 
deeper, more deeply connected fan base for those who are his fans, that kind of reverberates to people that aren't even football fans, you know, like cultural, cultural fans. Yeah, I think the one element of that may be, I think Mahomes is probably still the, probably still the better fit because he's mixed race. Yes, yes, yes. And we know that this disease is a little more aggressive towards some races than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know, man. This is, it's just, it feels like it's bad. Like, I'm looking, the Falcon, the Cardinals have none. The Falcons have three. This is people on the COVID list right now. Mm-hmm. The The Ravens have one. Bills have two. Panthers have one. Bears have four. Bengals have one. Browns have 14. Mm-hmm. Cowboys have one. Broncos have three. Your Lions uh, looks like eight. Mm. Mikel Roby Coleman, Mark Gilbert, Tavante Beckett, Efidi Melifonwu, Jamal Williams, Tracy Walker, Bobby Price, and Evan Brown. Packers have one. Texans have one. Colts have one. Jaguars have none. But let's not get ourselves. It's Florida. They're probably not testing. Yeah. Uh, Kansas City has three. Vegas has none. Again, it's Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. The Chargers have two, including Rayshon Slater. The Rams, uh, one, two, three, four, five, looks like 11, including Jalen Ramsey, Rob Havenstein, Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, Dolphins have four, the Vikings have three, Patriots have two, the Saints have three, the Giants have four, the Jets have three, Eagles have one, uh, Titans have one. Oh, the, the football team is getting killed right now. Yeah. Uh, this is five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Including Montez Sweat uh, and Jonathan Allen and Kendall Fuller for the for the football team, who by the way play the Eagles this week. Yeah. Like, if you're, I'm looking at this Browns one. It's like, okay, you're starting quarterback, you're uh, you're starting wide receiver, you're starting strong safety, starting defensive tackle, starting tight end, starting guard, starting tackle, starting linebacker. Like, what are you supposed to do? You lose. Yeah, you basically, you, you suck it up and take the L. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, and taking it back to the point about the league, it's almost like, man, and also take those uh, natural consequences mm-hmm. of your team not being as good. <laughs> Tackle those as well. You're gonna maybe that'll get you to regulate a little bit better because you're gonna lose. And that's what um you know there's when we get to the picks, there's just teams that are that are gonna lose to COVID based injuries or whatever. Yeah. Hell. But you know. Yeah, it's ugly. I mean. And again, like, I, I understand that it's a national TV game and you want to make your money and you want to have a game to play and you want to have a game to put in that spot. But is this really a game you want to show the national audience? You've got, you know, Case Keenum throwing to Donovan Peoples-Jones. That was the thing I thought about earlier today. I'm like, okay, you're um, doubling down on this predictable stance of firmness mm. and we have it under control while also kind of loosely releasing your idea of quality on the field product. You're like kind of another step back from quality product. And I'm like, this is kind of weird that before, you know, the shield, you have to, it's a fraternity is a certain mm-hmm. type of t- certain level of player. And now we're going to go into a game where the no names are going to play right on prime time. Well, speaking of primetime, that segue is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, new story came out today that I thought was fascinating. Travis Hunter, who is the number two overall rated recruit in the, in the country in college football, 
flipped his commitment from Florida State to Jackson State to play with and play for Dion Primetime Sanders, becomes the first time in history that a five-star recruit signed with an FCS team. What do you make of this? I love it. I love it for the fact that I I can't wait to see how he does. He better be great. That's that's one thing. And it also will um no it won't, but it should. It should help gauge like the nuanced and subtle differences between FBS and FCS, especially top top FCS teams. Mm-hmm. You know, the dominance will should be there, but you know, that the level of dominance people probably expect is like no, it's not a leap of of you know Reggie Bush to your average running back. It's not that like the FCS to F- FBS leap is not that. So a five star coming to an FCS program is not necessarily going to be the Reggie Bush of the FCS. It doesn't work that way. So hopefully that will support the overall narrative. But I also find it very funny um, that people are naming this a win for HBCUs and things like that. And yes, mm-hmm. you know, put some of the the batter in that bowl, but you have to literally be the best corner of all time with one of the most recognized and extravagant personalities in the history of sports Mm -hmm. to pull this off. This isn't just like, this is not what's going to happen for Hugh Jackson. (laughs) Hey, you never know. We saw one example of this in college basketball last year as mature maker, a five-star prospect went to, to play at an HBCU and it didn't go great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you you just hope that this plays out better than that. Yeah, because there's a lot of things that you have to consider. Now, I know one thing that most wouldn't think about if you're thinking strictly of top player, lower level, is that you know the resources are going to shift and mm-hmm. the, the level of coaching. I think Dion mitigated that. That's one of the big things that he was able to get guys to be able to coach. FBS level, and I mean high level FBS, because you got some FBS schools that still aren't developing guys, but high level FBS coaching there, so that you you won't you won't just get the raw five star or the raw four star and just hope that he pure talents his way, you know, three seasons in, and then you look up and he's really not that polished, which means he's not that great in comparison. Um, he'll get the coaching. He'll get the coaching. He'll get the development. I will say this guy, he gets the show and maybe that's what appealed to, uh, made him, made him, uh, appeal so much to, to Dion because he gets putting on a show. The signing ceremony, Hunter had three baseball caps in front of him when he was going to make his decision, Florida state, Auburn, and Georgia. One by one, he throws the hats off stage. He unzips his sweatshirt to see a, a t-shirt that says believe and has somebody throw him a Jackson State hat from the audience? <laughs> I didn't watch the whole video only because at this stage, you know, for for listeners that don't know, uh, was slash kind of still am heavily involved in offseason football development for high school players. So that whole thing, that whole <laughs> the theatrics of of National Signing Day are kind of like for me. So I didn't watch it, yeah. but the 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 you know social media explosion. Uh, and makes it warranted. And I appreciate it because it is a moment that you only get once to the point where LeBron James had to recreate it as an adult Ugh. because he didn't get to do it as a kid, as a high schooler. Ugh, the decision. One of the yeah. the more ill-fated decisions ever made by a professional athlete that doesn't involve a major crime. Agreed. 
What a just dumb, also wildly predictable outcome. It's not like there was a ton of drama at that point. Right. But what are you going to do? LeBron's going to play 35 more years in the NBA and uh, look forward to his grandchildren playing with him at some point <laughs> in the future. That guy's a robot. Yeah. Let's do. Uh, let's get to picks for this week, Mario Hines. Week 15 in the National Football League. Tomorrow night, the Kansas City Chiefs head to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Bavada's got the Chargers plus three at home. Ooh, respect to the Chargers that I have and, and Bavada has. So the Chiefs need this game. The Chiefs need this game because last game isn't the statement game that they want and that they know they need. Especially. Wait, why, why was last game not the statement game? Because it's the Raiders and they already did it. Like the the total yeah, forty eight to nine, yeah, that's great, that's great, that's great. But they beat them what thirty something to seven, week one or forty one to seven week one. So it's almost like, eh, it's you have you have the Raiders number as opposed to we're back. That's that's it's, what that feels it's like. It's forty one to fourteen, and it was like a month ago. Yeah, yeah, but I'm saying forty one to 14, 48 nothing. Like we can beat the Raiders soundly. Huh. Is is what I get from it as opposed to. You know, and, and I was during the same time that we didn't know what was going on with the Chiefs. Uh, eh, kind of didn't know what was going on with the Chiefs. But now, this is the game where it's like, okay, we we are now again in the driver's seat in the AFC. We have our ducks in the row. Defensively, we've settled the hell down. Uh, so, And I think that happens. I think this is a, a big win. I, I don't think it's a three-point win. I think they smash the line. Uh, give me the Chiefs here. I think last week was a really big game for the Chiefs because they showed it doesn't have to be Mahomes being a superhero. They can win other ways. Mahomes, you know, throws the ball 24 times, two touchdowns, 258 yards, but they run the ball 30 times for 132. Clyde Edwards Hilaire, all five, seven of them, is suddenly a short yardage back, has uh, <laughs> 10 carries for 37 yards and a couple of scores, a long carry of uh, seven yards for Edwards Hilaire. They looked great. They, they looked they, they looked did. really, really good. Josh Gordon caught his first touchdown as a Kansas City Chief, two catches for nine yards. Now he's on the COVID list. Yeah. But man, this is uh I guess I guess it helps that the Raiders fumbled four times. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It was a it was a the Raiders they did the stupid stomping on the logo thing. It was just really oh, was, yeah, yeah, incredibly yeah, stupid. Has it ever worked out? Like, I'm trying to think. I really want to think about this. I remember, you know, Baker planted the Oklahoma flag at, at midfield, but that was after a win. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't uh, I don't remember an instance where you disrespect your opponent and then that goes great. Yeah, if you're on the, the opponent's home field, you do that stupid rivalry thing. If I went back to just college in some, you know, uh, some of the pro games, I'd be willing to put that the majority of the wins still came from the home team. And yeah. I will be willing to add to that stat by saying that the home team likely took care of the the rival relatively uh, smoothly. For sure. Heading to Saturday. Uh, I'm, this is going to shock you, Mario. We don't have a line on the Browns game. Because <laughs> uh, who it's knows? because you haven't signed yet. Yeah, for real. <laughs> at, at any point, like you and I could be the quarterback receiver duo for the Browns this week, and it would not be shocking. Yeah. Uh, the New England Patriots head to Indianapolis to take on the Indianapolis Colts. Bavada has the Colts minus two at home. And no, again, respect. The Colts are an interesting team in the sense that they can do 
a lot of things that you need to be a top team well, mm-hmm. you know, they can stop the they 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 can blitz, they get after the quarterback, they can stop the, I, I want to say stop the run well. It's in the middle of the pack. They can get through uh, make get yards through the air at any point. Their ground game is actually intimidating. It's great. They always they, they make the mistake. They make the mistake um especially in their losses and they're playing a team that you know, initiates that mistake and also tends to capitalize on said mistake. So I think that happens here. Give me the pats to, to winning as the coach. The Dallas Cowboys head to New York to take on the New York football Giants, and Bavada has the Giants plus 11 at home. Yeah, no matchup here. You know, inner, inner division stuff kind of out the door as, you know, more off the field relevance uh, takes, the, takes, you know, injuries, things like that. And the Cowboys are just better. So Cowboys win easily. I mean, Mike Glennon's back, though. Doesn't that swing the tide in the Giants' favor? If it was um, was uh, Cornhole, because I feel like he, he throws underhand at this point. All right. Uh, he's tall. That that could be a help. Yeah, he, he's got a good good field of view. Uh, so that, the nicest thing you can say about Mike Glennon <laughs> is it like, yeah, a guy who was... Uh, who uh, the Bears signed for a ton of money and then immediately drafted Mitch Trubisky to replace him. It was the right move. <laughs> Neither of them was the right <laughs> move. But here it's we just, are. Okay, it was like we, it's the paradox of knowing you've made a mistake, but replacing that mistake with a mistake is well, what the, the issue Arguably was. a larger mistake. Arguably. <laughs> yes, arguably. You're like, hey, you thought that was bad. Check this Watch out. this. <laughs> You're going to be, uh, fans are going to be wishing we just uh, signed Mike, another Mike Glennon type quarterback for that kind of money. Yeah. Instead, we've wasted draft capital to move up and we're absolutely just going to blow this first round pick. There it is. But they get to play a team that, uh, you know, I guess there's the history of Mike Glennon and in QB rooms that have wasted first round picks. Cause that Daniel Jones one was laughable at the time too. At the time. And now it's like, not, not totally uh, Danny's fault. Just, I think he's tried so hard to be successful for the giants that I'm afraid his body might be giving up on him. Yeah. Well, I think his, his talent was never quite there to start off with, but I get that. neither here nor there. The Houston Texans travel to Jacksonville to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Bavada has the Jaguars minus three and a half. This is a weird line. It's weird because, and I, I, I stared at this game as I was doing my pre-show picks. I stared at this game, and I just stared at it, and I stared at it because you've got the ineptitude of the Texans, which is just regular you know, yeah. ineptitude. But they're just trying. Regular. They are. They're trying. And then you've got the Jags who are spiraling out of control. You know, yeah. so, and, and I, in a weird twist of whatever analysis, it's kind of equal, and I guess maybe being at home is what <laughs> is what gets the Jags uh, the win. But I can't see this team wanting to play for Urban Meyer so quickly after him looking everyone in the eye and saying, "I've won all my life until today, so it must be you, not me." Yeah, you uh, suck. Yeah, not me. I go home every night. Mm. What are you guys doing? Well, I go to the strip me- club every night. <laughs> no video, no case. Give That's me the true. Texans here. <laughs> Yeah, not only Texans, jump Texans money line for anybody who's listening. That plus 155 on Bavada for the Texans money line is super duper appealing. There are actually a handful of really interesting money line picks this week. Uh, and you can you can you can make some extra money for the holidays. There it is. Uh, Run it up on the Texans. Definitely, I agree with you. 
ain't nobody gonna be upset about that. Nobody. The New York Jets traveled to Miami to take on the Miami Dolphins, and Bavada's got the suddenly red-hot Dolphins minus 10 at home. It feels good. It feels good to look at this look at this game and, and dig deeper into Miami and say, hey, this isn't um this isn't piss poor. This mm-hmm. is actually quality football, and I gotta give you kudos for staying ten toes down on uh Tua. It's it's a, it's an impressive and it's an impressive support, and I'm going with it. I'm going with it. The Jets actually aren't playing um, bottom of the barrel football. They just now are definitely that team that still has a lot of gaps, a lot of holes. So shout out to uh, their coaching staff and Salah for riding the ship in ways. Mm-hmm. But give me the Dolphins here, who yeah, they're red hot, and it's a perfect time to play a team that you know you're better than. Yeah, I can't I can't take too much credit for this Tua thing because it's like anybody with half a brain who has watched football before has watched to a play and you're like, oh yeah, that guy, he can play quarterback in the NFL. He might not be a superstar. He might not be Drew Brees, which, you know, maybe was the high upside comp when he was coming out. But he's a pretty good starting quarterback and he's going to figure things out when we let this situation calm down. And he's not playing under the specter of trading for Deshaun Watson any given day. It's no coincidence that after the trade deadline passed, this team took off. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. There is a lot of variables to say... Let's not even, let's take away, I mean, let's add in the fact that how he uh, came into the organization was all screwed up. Mm -hmm. Not for anyone's fault, but he was coming off a very serious injury and had to figure out the game. And they played him earlier than they should have. Exactly. So, you know, and I think, you know, to be fair, it is a, we all can be victims of the what have you done for me lately uh, NFL blitz of just watching games in the season flow. Mm-hmm. And I definitely uh, f- fell under the wind of that because in this day and age, you know, this is the position, the quarterback position that you can sometimes take uh, necessary lumps and never recover. And, uh, and shout out to Tua for recovering some of the stuff that was was his doing and absolutely wasn't his doing. And it's fascinating to me, too, that when all that Deshaun Watson talk was going on, the Texans adamantly did not want to as part of the package in addition to draft picks like what you're not going to do better than that man a couple of first round picks and a legitimate starting quarterback is a coup for a guy who like god knows what's going to happen when he actually goes to trial that's the thing that's why the word of the day for the texans is ineptitude because it just lingers i, I was going to do a sesame street thing but I, for a second i forgot <laughs> what, word, what letter ineptitude started <laughs> Whoa, whoa! Long I know, day. man. It's long it's day, been man. it's been a long week, and it's only gonna get it's only gonna be a a longer next nine days. So <laughs> stay tuned for next week's show, listeners. Yeah. The Tennessee Titans travel to Pittsburgh to take on the Pittsburgh Steelers, and Bavada has the Steelers plus one and a half at home. Ooh, I like that. I like that line again. More respect. The Steelers. Can we have the conversation about Mike Tomlin now? Can we okay. do a? Le- it's an it's a, it goes against the organization's code or way of doing business heard i don't even want that as uh, a a you know opinion that's propped up mm-hmm. understood this has been an underachieving organization for the last i'm going to say 4.5 years now without hyper all-stars the coaching gaps are showing the lack of discipline you know, not shaping guys into pros, and, and and all these all these people are adults. But you know, the the silly Claypool. By now, you've been in, you've been in on this team for long enough to know what the business is. So that shit is being allowed. You know, yeah. that shit is allowed every day until 
until Sunday or, or, or Monday or whatever the game they play. And that's what's showing up, and that's what's going to get them another loss until we can either figure out if decision-making in the front office, which Tomlin is, is attached to, yeah. needs to change, or if Tomlin needs to be the one that goes in general. But give me the Titans here uh, to, to get the win and uh, beat the Lightyear. Well, I think the Steelers are kind of in a situation that the Eagles found themselves in so long ago with Andy Reid, where they've fallen into a trap of winning games in the regular season is good enough, and that you can trick yourself into, well, you get hot any postseason, you can win it. You know, 2016, they, they win 11 games. 2017, they win 13 games. 2018, they win 9 games. 2019, 8 games. 2020, they win 12 games last year. This year, you know, it's, it's different. They're 6-6-1. Six, six and one. But I feel like they just, they fall into the trap of like, oh, you know, if things were going a little differently, maybe we, we win one of them championships things. But... You know, they're they're very clearly at a tilting point as an organization. They're going to have to find a new quarterback, and along with that, it very well may make sense to find a new head coach. I'm with you there. Yeah, pivot them, pivot them next to one another. That's all you have to do. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, right. You have to. This it's the perfect time. This the era is ending in yeah. in Pittsburgh. Let's move on. I know there's a there's an incredible amount of loyalty. Especially with head coaches in that organization, yeah, uh, it's what the, the head coaching history. It, it's insane. The fact that you're talking about since what? Let's see, since 1969, the team has only had three different head coaches. Yeah, that, that's respect, it, man. Respect. I respect it. It's that's just insane. Time. <laughs> I respect it. That's great. That's great. And it lets the next coach know: get in there and do your thing. Not but a short what, leash, yeah. Not yeah, like you 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 have time to do your thing, but you damn well better do your thing. Think about that. Since 1969, I can't do the math. The on Pittsburgh that. Steelers have had three head coaches. It's 52 years, or basically. <sighs> That's. I I need to see the very creative uh, data graphic for that for like you know <laughs> a team that that hasn't even existed that you know taking an expansion team or a formerly expansion team and put all the faces of the head coaches up on a on a slide deck and then just put your the four or the three <laughs> the yeah. three Pittsburgh coaches and just let you know how nuts it actually is and Tomlin actually has the best winning percentage of any of those three the other two are hall of famers in uh, Chuck Knoll and Bill Cower Chuck Knoll Gets the job in 1969. He he gives it up in 1991. <laughs> well, that does that. That takes care of a good chunk of the time. Yeah, it's 22 years, and Cowers around for 14 years, and Tomlin's now been around for 14, 15 years. Insane, but uh, yeah. yeah. Well, then it's time then, and also sorry to interrupt you. Also, no. Tomlin got a little bit of a boost from. Cowers roster. Cowers didn't have to leave when he left. That's true. It was a little surprising that they moved on from Cower. Uh and even more surprising that Cower hasn't taken a job since then. I I would have thought that guy was he was an NFL lifer, but it just yeah. it didn't really work out that way. He yeah. was the Steelers head coach for 14 years and I guess he was like, "Nah, all right. I was head coach for 14 years. That's good enough." Yeah, can't do better than that. There were rumblings here and there, I remember, for certain organizations. But, yeah, like you, you sit down and you you think about it. Can't do better than, than the respect and the, <clears throat> excuse me, the leash you get in Pittsburgh. 
Yeah, the guy was like, let's see, he get, he coached last in 2016, so he was like 49 years old when coming off of what was basically a Hall of Fame stint as a head coach for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and he's just, yeah, I'm going to be on TV now. It's going to be easier. Good yeah, for him. This is, this is what I want to do, and uh, my wife likes it probably. <laughs> some uh, some assistants under under uh, Cower during that time, Bruce Arians, Dom Capers, David Coley, Chan Gailey, Jim Hazlitt, Dick LeBeau, Marvin Lewis, Mike Malarkey, Ken Wisenhunt. All those guys got shots. Every there, you're talking about nine NFL head coaches yeah. to serve to serve under Cower at some point. Yeah, that's awesome. In insane. We we talk about the Gruden. We talk about the Andy Reid tree and the. Uh, God, why can't I think of who the other super famous one is? And whatever in you Green Bay. The, um, oh, the home uh, Holmgren. Maybe the Mike Holmgren tree. Yeah, but Coward needs to be mentioned in that. He, I agree. He needs to be mentioned in that. Start the campaign. Uh, I don't like him enough to campaign for him. Me neither. Yeah, but <laughs> I will admit that in a vacuum, he deserves more credit than he's given. The Washington football team travels. Philadelphia to take on the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, Bavada's got the Eagles minus six and a half. Yeah, this almost is by default. Whatever the football team's going through with, you know, their controlling the virus is not doing well. But also, I would be amiss if I wouldn't talk about, you know, riding the ship and stabilizing what we do well if I'm in Philadelphia. And that has been happening more times than not the last couple of weeks. And uh, it's not it's not fluky. It, it it's it's something that's consistent. We've talked about it many times. Keep the high pressure situations out of the quarterback's hands. Yeah. Or or you start. Um, geez, how do I forget his name? He's the best guy of all time. Gardner Minshew. You start Gardner Minshew. You either keep the ball out of the quarterback's hands if he's Jalen Hurts, or you just turn to Gardner Minshew. And they have both of those options. So give me the Eagles. I am a little surprised that there's a line on this. There wasn't Same. yesterday, just because Hertz and Minshew are splitting are splitting snaps in um, practice right now. As Hertz recovers from that high ankle sprain, which which can be a tricky. Those things, I you know I, I've often said I'd rather break my foot than sprain my sprain sprain my ankle badly. Mm-hmm. You know what the healing time is going to be with an ankle. You just never know. You really never know, and you. Definitely don't know what's gonna uh, reaggravate, and it could be it could be non-athletic. Exactly right. And yeah, hundred percent. Getting <laughs> off the bus in the morning, <laughs> and it just doesn't land right. Yeah. The Atlanta Falcons travel to San Francisco to take on the San Francisco 49ers, and Bavada's got those 49ers minus nine at home. And I'm thinking about this 49ers team and the character that they're building, and then I think about last week, and I'm like, it's good character building versus figuring it out for Cincinnati and which one was highlighted more mm. in that matchup. And it leads me to think about this week because, you know, at any point that, um, that, that thing that the Niners were, was, uh, were allowing to happen in that Bengals game could have happened in the Falcons game with those spurts of energy that Atlanta comes with offensively. I cannot, cannot overlook that. With that said, Niners not having it. Give me, um, the solid, solid offensive production to win out here. Uh, give me, give me the Niners. This is the line of any line that perplexes me, and I know what both of these teams did last week, but 
I don't care because it feels wrong. The Cincinnati Bengals traveled to Denver to take on the Denver Broncos, and Bavada has the Broncos minus two and a half at home. Not a chance. This was another one I looked at. I'm like, <laughs> I shan't be the victim of the moment. I yeah. shall not. Uh, Broncos looked good, but also, if, again, like I said, I watched parts of that game just to check on, you know, the Lions' state of play. And there, mm-hmm. it, it was it was beneath what they've brought to the table the last eight weeks, and that's cool. You can understand it. The Broncos took advantage of it. They won't be able to do the same here uh, against Cincinnati, even if you're at home. Not going to happen. There's too much explosive talent. There's too much um, run defense. Even though the, you know the, the 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 Broncos are running better than than you know they have been in the, the first half of the season and better mm-hmm. than most teams right now, I think the Bengals have what it takes to neutralize that while putting uh, the Broncos defense in a scary position, man, especially over the top. So give me the Bengals here to you know I, I saw less uh, of uh, thinking about that thumb for Joseph Burrow, so I think yeah. another week of confidence helps here. Uh, two things. One, no offense, but the Denver big game was against the Lions last week. And two, if if not for that fluky Jamar Chase interception two weeks ago when the Bengals last played against the Chargers that really swung the tide of the game, mm-hmm. like they could have beat the Chargers. And then we're talking about a completely different situation right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. Like a team that's figuring out how to have those, you know, deep down character wins character plays really that 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 come with wins it's flukish but also like come on come on we have to be able to play with tighten the ship they're trending towards being a very quality scary football team so yeah. i think more time more time you know with each other you know again more, a more healthy joe you get a, a a relatively strong win against this broncos team that's not impressive I know I kind of sound like a broken record here, but I feel like I'm a little bit surprised there's already a line out for this game as well. But that speaks to what Vegas thinks in terms of the Lamar Jackson injury and whether or not he's going to play. The Green Bay Packers head to Baltimore to take on the Baltimore Ravens. Bavada has the Ravens plus five and a half. Yeah. Horrible time to be a Baltimore Ravens fan and player right now, especially this week. Uh, easily said Packers will take advantage of all the weird things going on. Um, but really, really, uh, I think this is a John Harbaugh issue right now. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this thing, there's underlying issue with accountability uh, and getting to the root of it. And he's done a great job of maximizing. And I think, you know, right now he's relied on that a little bit too much. It's time to to develop. And, and, and uh, it's it's a little too late against a team like the Packers. So give me the Packers here. Sunday night football, the New Orleans Saints head to Tampa Bay to take on Tom Brady and those Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Big line here, Bavada's got the Bucks minus 11. Give me the Bucks big time. They went to sleep against the Bills. That's okay. That's fine. Not scared of it. Yeah. Did what they had to do at the right time. Saints got nothing for it. Give me the Bucks. And finally, Monday night football, the Minnesota Vikings travel to Chicago to take on the Chicago Bears. Bavada has the Bears plus three and a half at home. This Vikings team surprises me, uh, but when they're healthy, when they're on, they who who can guard? Who can guard their top two guys? Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't name it. So give me the Vikings here, where the Bears have nothing. Again, another team that has nothing for the offensive firepower. Kirk Cousins also looking pretty good, and you've never hear me say that since he left uh, Michigan State. <laughs> All right, uh, fair enough, and. Uh... 
man, you talk, talk about Jared Goff not being a Michigan culture fit. I feel like uh, Kirk Cousins is almost an equally poor culture fit for the state of Michigan. Absolutely. I don't even know what happened there. I have to investigate how he even ended up at Michigan State. That worked out for him. Long time NFL career. Probably where I would argue worked out for both of those teams. Uh, they had a decent running back, too, if I remember correctly. Decent time. Some guy. Some, some guy who uh, faded out pretty quickly. Here. So weird how that happens. So weird how that happens, and yet Adrian Peterson's still going. <laughs> <laughs> Guy's never going to go away. That is it for this week's episode of the Underdog NFL Show. For Mario Hines, I'm Chris Horwardell. Thanks for listening, and we will see you back here next week.